Start Me Up podcast, part of the Demcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, still quarantined in D.C., and today my returning guest is Jen Kirkman, comedian Jen Kirkman. She was on the show last February when Steph and I were doing shows together all the time, but now it's just going to be the two of us, and I'm going to give you uh, a heads up. It's a long show. I think we talked for about an hour and 45 minutes, and I initially had planned on, well, like I do with every show, I kind of go down the Twitter feed and look at what the breaking news is and, and, you know, of course, talking about whatever is going on in politics. So I did make some notes and didn't really stick to my notes (laughs) because our conversation just went off into so many different directions and I just allowed it. I mean, we did get some politics in toward the end. We talked about Joe and Kamala and we talked about, um, you know, Melania a little bit in the beginning, but the bulk of our conversation was just, you know, one subject to another. She does relaxing meditation, or I'm sorry, is it meditation? She does, uh, on her Instagram, um, she talks about it, but she does online relaxation classes because especially today, a lot of people have anxiety with COVID and all that and with Trump and this and that. So she is, she started doing that and it's been really working out for her. So we absolutely talked about that. But that led to, you know, one thing led to another. So I'm going to have a hard time writing the description for this show because I can't even remember some of the things that we talked about. But it was a long, good conversation. And I really like her because I used to say that she was my spirit animal. And I'm not usually the person who uses that phrase. But when I first saw her comedy specials on Netflix, I laughed so hard. I love her. I love the way that she, that her mind works. And of course, with any good comic, they take real life and they take the most mundane things out out of real life and they're able to make them funny make you think and that's what she does she's so smart and she's she's got such a good I don't know like way of expressing herself that makes me feel especially she's a little bit younger than I am but still we're Gen Xers and so many of the things that she talks about with dating and her her comedy routines I hope routine is not the wrong thing to say. I don't always know all the right lingo when it comes to that. But, you know, when she does her her shows, the things that she talks about, I can relate to so very well. So it's, it's it was so much fun talking to her and I really liked it. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking about anything else. And I'll just get because the show was so long. I'm just going to get to the point that Start Me Up is a podcast that is independent and is supported by listeners don't have any corporate backers and I don't use advertisers right now I uh, I'm gonna just add that right at the end of the show Jen and I got into the idea that a lot of men especially men in in the comedy world but men in general whether they're like podcasters or whatever they can do horrible things or support people who have done horrible things and they get thousands and thousands and thousands of patrons on their patreon page while women are not getting the same kind of deal. She did go into that and she gave a very specific reference, but I'm just putting it out there that women have a harder time doing everything because of our patriarchal society. So that said, um, I, like I said, I don't use advertisers and I'm doing this all on my own. I don't have corporation backing me and, and supporting me. I have to do all of my own everything down to promotion, which everybody hates self-promotion. So if you enjoy today's show, uh, take a look at the front page of my Patreon and go ahead and check out Jen's Patreon because you might really 
you know, you might connect with her more. And go support her or support me. And if you're going to support me, here's how you can do it. I do two free shows every week, Monday and Wednesday. And then twice a month, I do patrons-only shows, most often with Steph Walton. But sometimes I do them with someone else or alone. And I don't know what's going to happen with Steph because she's running for city council in Oakland. And her schedule is probably going to be very difficult to pin her down. So those patron-only shows are going to switch around a little bit, and they're going to, you know, we'll see. We'll, we'll get David Ferguson in here sometimes, and sometimes I'll just be by myself, and I'll, I'll figure it out. But anyway, those shows are a little bit more personal. We'll still talk about politics. In fact, those shows might be a little bit like the show I did today with Jen because it was just a bunch of personal stuff and, you know, stuff from our life, things that we think, blah, blah, blah. So if you sign up for $4 or less – you get both free shows delivered to your email box and you get one free patrons or I'm sorry, one patrons only show, not free, one patrons only show delivered to your email box because I have it set up that for people who have signed up for $1 up to $4, they get access to one of those patrons only shows because they are patrons. And if you sign up for $5 or more, you can get access to both of those patrons only shows and all the free shows will be delivered to your email box. So there is that. And you can sign up for any dollar amount. You don't have to stick to the tiers that I've provided. You can you can click on the $3 tier and change it to a $25 tier. Whatever you want to do, that's how you can do it. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. I mean, if you sign up for like two bucks a month, you'll har- hardly even miss it. That's like, what, 24 bucks a year. You could You could do that or... You can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in my Patreon description. I always include my email address, and that is with my PayPal info. Just use that for PayPal. I've had a couple of people do that, and I love it, so that's great. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Please stop by the iTunes slash Apple Podcasts and become a subscriber because it's free, and I need you to do that. And then also, while you're there, you can just give me a rating and possibly a review. You don't have to go into, like, reviews don't have to be really long. You could just say, I love this show, or great show, or whatever. But just, you know, give me that, if you like it, give me those positive ratings and then just a quick hey I really like the show that would be super awesome and I would really 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 appreciate it and I'm just going to take this time before I get into the conversation with Jen to once again say thank you to all of my patrons I love doing this show I love it I love it I love it more than anything I've ever done in my life so the fact that you support me it really makes a difference to me and it makes me feel valuable and I'm so appreciative because to me, this is not just about me. It's about all the people that listen to the show. It's about the people that are on the show. I just like having, I like the idea of like creating a community if possible, you know, where we can all go in the comments and talk to each other. And and if you disagree with me, that's great. Let me know. I might defend myself and I might, you know, say, hey, wait a minute. I think this, but I invite whatever it is you're thinking. If you disagree with me and you think I'm being an asshole, just tell me. And and I may disagree with you, but it's all going to be fun because it's just we're human beings interacting and having this experience together. And I always try to find people that interest me to do the show because I think if they interest me, I'm going to interact with them in a way that's interesting to you. So I always want your feedback. I always invite it. And that's it. I'm done blabbing. Please enjoy my conversation with comedian Jen Kirkman. Welcome back to the show, Jen. Thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) Pleasure to be here. I'm glad you're here. It's been a long time. And the the last time 
I mean, not that we see each other on any kind of regular basis, but the last time we saw each other was, I think it was last February, and you were doing a, a wonderful stand-up that was just hilarious, and you helped me because you gave me uh, like the material that you were talking about, material to write something about, and I think I think what it was that just women, I don't even remember, but I think it was about women not feeling safe or something and how they conduct themselves. Like it's such a big deal for women to um, leave the house if if like you meet a guy online, you, like you tell fifty friends and you get as much information as you can about them, <laughs> and that like when the guy just goes. And he's not afraid. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Did I say that in my act? I don't remember. I think so. I mean, I remember writing something after whatever, uh, like you inspired me to write something feminist, you know. And of course, you were funny. I'm not funny when it comes to that. I can be, but not like you. <laughs> but you were able to convey everything so well with humor. And I just kind of um, took the more serious side of it. But I appreciated well, it because it just made me think. Yeah, I can't believe that was over. I was just thinking, I was like, yeah, that was about like six months ago. And I was like, no, it was a year ago. No, it was a year and a half ago. Oh, my God. I know it's a while. But so just let me ask you this. Like, so what are you doing? First of all, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, my mind is scrambling. I ha something happened. You know what? I'm just going to do that. We're going to talk about what you're doing. You're doing all these really cool things to, to stay relaxed during COVID. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, this morning I woke up to a DM on my like page, which is not my profile page, but it's on Facebook. It's the one you like, you know, click like. It's like your fan page. Right. Like, yeah. So this is what he wrote. He goes, some guy named Garrett Brinson says, I want to poke your eyes out and skull fuck you because you're so hot. <laughs> so hmm. so hmm. I know. Then he's like, hmm, was that a compliment? So <laughs> I... I first I tried to report him. Now, okay, this was from my page, right? So I there's nowhere on a page where you can report a message. So I had to go over to his profile and when I go to report him, there's really nothing specific. Like I, I can I can report him for harassment and bullying, but I don't get to tell them what he did. I don't there's no um I can't send a screenshot, I can't even explain it. So I, I decided, oh. yeah, it's like, it's like, so I, 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 com I reported him for every possible thing you could report him for. Uh -huh. And then I went over to his page and everything is set to private. So huh. I couldn't see who his friends were, but I saw his cover photo and then I, and then I could click on the names of the people who liked it. So I, I collected all of the names and links to the Facebook pages of the women friends that he had who liked that photo, which was a photo oh. of him holding a little girl in a pool. <laughs> oh, my God. It's always that. I, I, I know. Where this is going, it's like you're a detective, and that's what women have to be nowadays online. Tell me more. Totally. So then I reply to him, and I, and I have about six names, and I say, with their links, and I said, how would your female friends feel if they knew you threatened women on Facebook with such sexually abusive DMs? And then I said, don't fuck with me. You will lose. So he read that. And then I continued. And I told him I had screenshots and this and that. And I, I actually think I got a phone number. And, and I, and I <laughs> sent the phone number. He shut down his entire page. And I know that he did because, unless Facebook did it, but I know that he did because I have another account that I could, you know, he doesn't know exists. It's just for family and friends. So I looked at the link to his page, and that it was shut down there too. So his page is gone. So yeah, wow. it's like we have to fucking be detectives. And 
you know, I, everybody's giving me, you know, I, I posted what he said to me on my Facebook page and on Twitter, and a lot of people are saying report him to the police. And it's like, no, I'm not going to report him to the police at this point. The police? They're not going to do anything. I everybody is like, you know, rightfully so. <laughs> Defund the police. They aren't good at their jobs. They shouldn't be responsible for this, that, and this. They're not good at this. <laughs> and there's no time because they're doing 19 other things that aren't their job. Yes, you know? yes, exactly, exactly. So, and yeah. And they're not trained in, I mean, this was always the biggest thing for me that, you know, if women ran the cyber world, <laughs> if somebody <laughs> likes all of your photos at once, mm -hmm. you know, like going back a year, to me, that's a bizarre sign yeah. of kind of obsession or harassment. Yes. They've done nothing wrong. That's how men look at things. And women are like, let's keep an eye on him. Yes. You know, <laughs> let's send a car outside of his house. <laughs> yes, so totally. They're just... They're never going to get it right, but it's interesting. I'm so glad he shut his page down. That's amazing. I thought you were going to say, but I'm disappointed in you, that you <laughs> that you messaged the girls. Oh, right. Them. Well, you know, actually, most of them have uh, closed pages. There were a few that had messages open, but from my understanding, the messages will not be noticed unless they specifically check them, although I do think you might get alerts now, uh, the way Facebook works. But no, I, did, I didn't I did do that. I mean, I, I, figu I, I don't know. I could still do it. But I figure I just wanted him to leave me alone. And, and uh, of course, I looked at the likes on his page, and he likes Brian Kemp. And uh, he didn't. I didn't see Trump, but I saw a lot of right-wing Facebook pages that he liked. So... What a shock. Ah. And, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so glad he you did that. Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm so scared. It's just it's so fucking frustrating because I feel like he just he just assumed he could say anything he wanted and and not have to deal with consequences. And I imagine there are women out there who don't necessarily think as far as I do. But I would definitely recommend go when when somebody sends you something mm -hmm. like this, go on there. Don't don't reply. Don't immediately block them. But go to their Facebook page and see what you can find. And the thing is, is, you know, I couldn't comment on his stuff. But when people liked, I could see the people who liked. And that's how I got that information. And there was just a few pictures and there was not a lot. But, you know, I looked his name up um, from where he's from and I, I found a phone number. I couldn't find a job description, but I found a couple of different things. And I actually sent the phone number and, and I said, you know, oh, is this your number? And I called it just with my number blocked and, and nobody answered. It was, a, it was, but it's like, don't you fuck with me, man. You know, I'm just, I, I, I just feel like they're not, they're mostly just, they're cowards. Of course yeah. you could find the one guy who is a psycho and a murderer and all that. But I think for the most part, these guys are just, they think they're the shit and Trump is giving them license to, you know, or at least emboldening, emboldening them to feel they can do this. Before Trump came along, they were doing it. But I think now in the this particular day and age, men really feel that they can do this and get away with it. And it's like, no, fuck you, man. So I just encourage every woman, take some time. Don't knee-jerk it. Take some time, calm down, get some information, and throw up. Because I also said in my thing that, you know, I've, I've made sure to pass this information on to my friends in case anything were to happen to me, there's a trail right back to him. So it's like I try to save oh. myself. But yeah. um, anyway, so that's... Well, you know, that's really cool because I'm kind of a knee-jerk blocker. Well, it's interesting with Facebook, um, the like page is where I get the most I bet. upsetting comments. Yeah. And they, they run the gamut from like, I'm actually just offended because they hurt my feelings to <laughs> something creepy. I get all kinds of weird yeah. 
fans that try to give me advice. Like, I'm sometimes more offended when someone tries to give me advice than <laughs> when they try to skullfuck me. And so I just, I have a thing where I, um, I call it post and bail. And so I just post, uh, I have a show or buy this thing. And then I just leave and never, ever check the comments. Yeah. But for some reason, it's easy for me to do on Facebook. Can't do it on Twitter. Can't yeah. do it on Instagram. Always yeah. seeing what people do. But anyway, so in general, I'm a knee-jerk blocker. But I think you're right. With something like that, with something like Facebook, mm -hmm. where it's connected to their friends and family, yes. and you can easily find people in their life that you could threaten to report them to mm -hmm. or actually report them to, I think it's great to take that extra step. Because I like that attitude of, don't fuck with me. Mm -hmm. Like I, I got scared for one minute. We're always writing that line of, God, I don't want this murderer to come murder me. But you know what? If they wanted to murder you, they could find you and they probably would have anyway. Or, right. You know, so like, don't be afraid to say, don't fuck with me. Yeah. Because it, it takes the conversation in a whole different direction. It's not, I'm offended because you said something really <laughs> nasty and yeah. sexual. It's like, don't fuck with me. Yeah. That is, I'm going to, if I see a comment like that, I will now handle it that way. <laughs> I love it. Well, I, you know, I mean, there's obviously as a woman, I mean, I live with Bob Seska, who's like 6'4 and muscular. And although he's not a fighter, um, I don't think any men, especially this chubby little old man. <laughs> I don't know if he's old, but I think yeah. he might be 39 years old, but he looks older um, because he lives all in a red street. All of them do. Yes, they all do. But it's like, you know, I mean, I certainly don't want to fall back on the fact that I, I you know, I mean, there most of my life I lived alone. And so it's not, I don't want to use Bob as, as, as my shield. So, you know, I feel like, and, and anyway, <laughs> if, if, if he wanted to, if he had a gun, Bob's muscles will do nothing. So, um, <laughs> right, exactly. so I feel like it's, it's good to let him know, you know, I have shared your information with friends and family in case anything happens to me, there is a trail to you. I make sure I've said that before to other people because I've gotten such, you know, some, some guy told me that I should go try living in an urban city and something about the urban city and I should get raped by apes and uh, something oh. like that it was really horrible. So I did kind of a similar thing. Um, in some cases though, these guys, this guy had his real Facebook page up, but in some cases they create a fake one without family members that you could, so I, so that I could, I could tell that this was real because of the comments and because of where these women lived, where he, they lived where he lived. And so I thought, okay, this seems like a legitimate Facebook account. So, yeah, I mean, it sucks, though, because there's a lot of those uh, fake accounts where they're not really connected to their families and you can't really threaten them. So, I mean, it's like, what if I were going to call the police on some guy who just created some bullshit Facebook account? Nothing's going to happen anyway. So, no, um, absolutely not. And I like that extra move of, if I ever do this, I'll add the extra move of, I've contacted the police <laughs> so that they're aware. Like, just say yes, a million things. Right. so great. <laughs> just fucking assholes, man. I swear to God. And it's just... And then, okay, and then the other thing I just want to kind of highlight is yesterday, um, I think I saw somebody tweeted that there were a number of tweets out there that said exactly the same thing. I don't know if you saw, you probably didn't see my tweet, but it was the, uh, uh, let me let me get the, the actual. I've been on a Twitter break for a while, probably won't be back on for a couple more weeks, so I didn't see. Well, that's good. That's, you should, I should do that, um, except that I can't. So, it's nothing like it's nothing for any reason. It's just it doesn't bring joy into my life, and it's not like I'm trying. Like it's just 
I hate it. <laughs> I totally understand. Yeah, yeah. But I saw, and we will get to, I want to get to your relaxation because I'm probably going to use it. But um, so here's what this was the same message posted by multiple, multiple, multiple accounts. It said, I've been a Democrat my whole life. I joined the BLM protests months ago when they began. They opened my eyes wide. I didn't realize I became a Marxist. It happened without me even knowing it. I'm oh. done with this trash. I'm, I will be registering Republican, giving Twitter a shot. <laughs> so is that a Russian troll? I, uh, well, right. I, I guess so. There was like, you know, multiple, like hundreds of accounts that tweeted this exact same thing. And so I did post... Um, a, like four screenshots of a whole bunch of them and I said hostile foreign powers are using Twitter again to sway the election for Trump and I, I tagged Jack and Twitter and it was funny because I did get an email from or a DM from somebody who's saying I haven't been able to um, connect these accounts to Russia are are you sure? And it's like I don't know who it is. I said hostile. How they not been able to I, I know. <laughs> what what are they doing? Are they sitting there and go? How do they even know? So it's like I don't know who did it, but it's fucking bad actors. And it's like this 2016 shit all over again. So I just wanted yeah. people to be aware of that. Like if you start seeing um, tweets that say I used to be a Democrat, but then this happened and that happened copy and paste at least the first two sentences and put it in the Twitter search engine. And if there are multiple of them, you know, it's like a bot farm, a troll bot farm that's just spewing them out. So, you, you know. know, what's interesting is, you know, Eric Swalwell, who's the congressman from California, you know, who's so brilliant on yeah. all of the Russia investigation commissions and yeah. everything. Right. He was, we met through a mutual friend and I, went to an event that he was at or, and we met up there and chatted and, you know, we talked a few times and this is right before, I mean, he was, it was an event where he was like, no, it's just a fundraiser. And I was like, you're running for president. But, um, <laughs> I said to him, you know, there's 95 people running and you have seen, you have seen the reports. Like you actually know mm -hmm. what happened between Trump and Russia. You're so aware of bots. Why don't you be the guy that runs on disinformation? Like, you know, that yeah. says we're going to, and, and uh, uh, no one's going to do that. <laughs> but my point is we, even liberals, very few people understand active measures. Mm -hmm. Very few people believe it's real. Everyone is mm -hmm. trying to be smart and yeah. to be smart people confuse that with being cynical and, and so it's easy to get caught up in conspiracy theories mm -hmm. and then it's easy to dismiss that there are actual conspiracies that the republican senate mm -hmm. you know said last week yep there was collusion and so when i talk about active measures even with my liberal friends they're like and, I, and these aren't like dsa justice dems bernie it's not the the, the, mm -hmm. the other side of the horseshoe it's just right. regular democrats who know that there are trolls, but they're just kind of not paying attention. They'll mm -hmm. roll their eyes, go, Jen, yeah. that's still going on. I go, well, who stopped it? It's, of course it is. I mean, I know there are some people working on it, but I just said active measures has been going on. Yeah. Read about the KGB, the, read about mm -hmm. the, you know, the 1950s. It's, it's what we do. It's <laughs> our dance with Russia, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. We've always had this relationship and of course, I mean, I believe that OK Boomer is a Russian op, and I've <laughs> one of the reasons I put my account on pause is because it, it attracted a lot of trolls. So I just lost yeah. my account and stay off Twitter for a while. 
I don't believe maybe that someone sitting in Russia said, okay, boomer, but I believe uh, just another way to sow chaos is generational mm-hmm. divide. Mm-hmm. And once okay, boomer started getting popular, it started getting ugly and nasty. Yeah. And I believe that's where the disinformation came in about um, a, a lot of like what certain generations did or didn't do. I don't mm-hmm. know. I just have a feeling that it's propped up by that, just like Black Lives yeah. Matter was. Right. Anyway, the point is, it's so it's so scary because I don't feel we're ever going to have a public education about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, okay, so kids, we had a class in fifth grade, you know, learning how to write a check. Mm-hmm. So whatever that class is now, <laughs> you know, there, whatever time is left from not having that class anymore. Can we teach kids about active measures? Okay, if you're going to be on the internet, here's how to recognize, you know, here's yeah. how to read, basically. Right. Um, and understand and put things into context. And I just think it will keep happening. Mm-hmm. It will keep getting worse because absolutely nobody's addressing it because there's way too much other stuff to mm-hmm. address. Yeah, that's that's definitely the theme of our times that, you know, unfortunately, some of the most important things that are happening to us are not addressed because Trump said something shitty or stupid or Melania gave a speech where she had a smile and everyone thought she was so great. So, yeah, it's just like I agree with you. (laughs) I agree. I mean, I fucking lived in Russia and, you know, I, I got to see firsthand the coldness and the eyes of the militiamen, which, by the way, again, Melania's dress last night. I swear to God, she could have been standing. And, you know, when I lived in Russia, there were these, I guess they looked like the size of a phone booth. And they were on every corner. And it was a militiaman standing inside looking at you as if you've committed a crime. And oh <laughs> she's, like, wearing an outfit. That's like Melania's dress looked like those outfits. It's just she unbelievable. She like Castro or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why was she? I mean, it was definitely. She uses fashion. Oh, she totally does. Messages with her fashion, like it was such a dictator outfit. It was, and it was just. It was. It pisses me off because as as I was watching it, I'm thinking, okay, this is a decent speech. She's she's delivering it well. So of course the press is going to treat her as if you know she is some wonderful woman because she's attractive and and the press just loves to find any excuse to be nice to the Trump family, any excuse. And it's fucking maddening. And I knew this was going to happen. Of course it is happening because the MSM always wants to, I don't know. I said they always want to find something good and positive about the Trump family. And I just don't get it. But, but yeah, going back to the, but what you were saying, it's like, yeah, that that's why I think part of the reason that's why is because if we're not going to educate them in school, it would be the press. And I mean, the press does an okay job occasionally of telling us uh, what's going on, but not, correlating the fact that it is active measures and yeah that uh, the kgb was like you were saying this is our history with russia this is nothing new but now we have social media so it's a little bit new it's uh, yeah totally new and and you know i I don't know it's just it's the thing that worries me the most you know um that i just go i don't know guys we're not taking care of this mm-hmm. like kids are getting radicalized mm-hmm. people don't know how to read truth versus yeah people don't know what facts are anymore you know it's really i'm glad i don't have a kid that's all i have to say <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> you know before my grandmother died in 2000 and um when was i think it was 2007 and she was at the time 93 and i would say that uh, and she she did she was suffering from dementia she had probably had it for about a year. So I'm going to say probably around, let's say, she died in 2007, around 2005, 2003-ish, somewhere. I, we were talking about the state of things, and 
she said, and my grandmother was a very sweet, loving woman. She was a Catholic woman who, she practiced what she preached and she was not judgmental. I mean, not at all. She was like the kind of Catholic that you should be. And um, just a very warm, and she always gave everybody the benefit of the doubt. She always had a positive thing to say. If I complained about a person to her, she would try to make me find the positive in them, not in an annoying way, in a loving way. (laughs) And so she um, said, you know, if she were young at that time, whatever year that was, 2003 or whatever, that she wouldn't want to bring children into this world. I can only imagine what she would think. Oh my God! You know now because I feel like the same. I'm I'm so glad I don't have kids f- just for COVID sake. Um, yeah, for, yeah. For it's all funny. of that, I have a few friends. I have one friend who just had a baby, but she got pregnant well before mm-hmm. the COVID shit hit the fan, and you know had been wanting a baby for years. So she gets a pass. <laughs> but anybody now who's like, I'm trying to get pregnant, I go, Why? Oh, am I supposed to endorse it? No, what are you doing? No, no, like, you know, I, I, I'm speechless, you know, yeah. I guess it's just a thing that people find is an act of hope. I just think it sounds, yeah. I'm not even talking so much about the kid and bringing yeah. them into a horrible world. Cause you can always argue that any right. point in history isn't horrible, but, but honestly, I'm just thinking about COVID and yourself and why. Yeah. Why what? do anything right, right, right. that requires medical attention? Mm-hmm. Just just sit inside and wait. <laughs> yes, ex- ex- exactly. Um, so, well, okay, so that brings me to you. How are you handling COVID? I mean, you're on your own and you've got to keep yourself occupied. So, um, you know, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> you sound like I'm a grandma. She's on her own. <laughs> no, keep but her I mean. Occupied or she'll get into the trash. You know what she likes to out of the trash no I'm kidding well you know what's interesting to me I've I've for me the worst part about being in a romantic relationship is the living with someone part <laughs> and so as many and now I'm not implying you're saying this but as many people that have been like oh my god is it hard being single it's like not for the reasons one thinks right like the living alone is something that I relish yeah and and so I think I would be having a difficult time living with someone for two reasons. One is just the amount of nobody, everyone's up each other's ass all the time. And <laughs> second, what if I had a partner who started to go rogue and, yeah. you know, wasn't taking it seriously? I right. think that would freak out. Yes, me too. But so I'm not lonely in the live alone sense, but I'm lonely in the, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I never bought a home and a lot of that was... I think there were some years where financially I, I probably could have swung a down payment. Yeah. And then, but I always chose to travel instead mm-hmm. and, or save instead in case there was years I didn't work. And mm-hmm. there were the last two years I didn't really work. So I was grateful to be able to get by on what I had. Yeah. But this notion of like, I kind of lived a life, you know, no kids, mm-hmm. no, nothing, I no home to own so that I could have a life of traveling and not just for comedy. I, I grew to love traveling for fun. So um, the fact that I can't do my, right. it's like my vice is right. traveling, you know, like going to Europe once a year or something like that. Or I used to do this comedy festival in Australia where you'd be there for four, six, four to six weeks, you know, mm-hmm. 
And so I do that every year. And so to have my thing that makes me me, the way someone's yeah. kid is their thing or whatever, is I can't think about it too much because I don't, it'll upset me. Right. But to me, that is, I don't mind the staying in and all that. To me, what is the scariest is that the borders are basically closed. Yes. We're trapped. Yes. Um, that is something I cannot fathom. I can't, I can fathom that, you know, it, this has been relatively easy for me, like really, really easy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you a couple of reasons. One is the last two years have been pretty hard mm-hmm. and just something is happening in my career where it's just completely stalled out and that's fine. That's part of the deal. Um, if I'm a betting woman, I have a feeling that it's going to be this way for a little while. And then I think, uh, I think, I don't know. I just have a feeling it's, it's in a cycle. So, okay, great. But when things are slow, what I have to do is come up with things to pitch. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of writing TV show ideas, Mm -hmm. writing a book pitch, writing Mm -hmm. a blah, 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 blah. So last year I was inside writing, stressing. I'm not working. I've got to get this thing going, just living a life that I absolutely hate. And then I got a job for a little while, which was good. So that saved my ass. And then the pandemic hit and it's back to sitting inside. And I went, Oh, I've done this though. I did this last year. And the good part about it is I'm not as stressed Mm -hmm. because I just had a job. So, um, I don't know. There's like a little bit of an acceptance to it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's been fine for me. I, I, I'll probably start freaking out more in like next year when I'm like, okay, I need to earn something. But Mm -hmm. I really, I was so, I don't know, like last year was really hard and I was really burnt out from stuff on the road. And I said in December, I need a vacation, like a long one. I need like three months off so I can (laughs) get creative again. You know, I don't have any thoughts. I don't have anything to talk about. I don't, you know, I just really burnt out. And I said, but I don't want to be, you know, that feeling when you're on vacation, but you can you can feel everyone poised to email you the minute you're back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like, you just get slammed. It's yeah. like going to the mountains and then you come back and it's grand central station. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God. <laughs> I said, I don't want to be on vacation alone. I want the whole world to mm-hmm. stop just for a few months. And that's what I said in December. Wow. Um, yeah. Like my manager and I had dinner <laughs> and we had our like, okay, what, what's the goals for this year? And I was like, I don't have any more creative thoughts. I'm completely tapped out. I'm so exhausted from like the struggle and I just want to be hired, like a hired hand to write on something. Mm-hmm. And I actually just want the world to stop for three months. She's like, okay, well I can't make that happen. And then, <laughs> and then it did. So, and I'm not saying I got my wish and I'm glad not at all, Yeah. but I must say that, um, you know, the first couple months of COVID like March, April, May, I was on a job. So I was working over zoom. Hmm working long hours. It was like, sometimes the life of a writer looks exactly like the life of someone in a pandemic. Like mm-hmm. You're right, inside yeah. in your pajamas, 16 Hello. hour day, you know, me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, <laughs> you know, by May was when I really first was like, okay, now I have in quotes, nothing to do. Like in terms of no one, you know, no, no employer is paying me. I have to self mm-hmm. be self-sufficient but I don't believe in being busy as a virtue. Like whenever yeah. people would say to me, you're so busy. That's so great. I'd be like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm trying to get money so I can yes. live, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I want to be, uh, Fran Lebowitz is my hero. I don't know if you know Fran. Lebowitz. Yes. I mean, I don't know her personally. Right. 
Um, yeah, no, I do. Yeah, and I love her just like, no, I haven't written a book since 1982. <laughs> She's just herself for a living. Mm -hmm. People pay her to speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And... She's very into like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to work. I'm lazy. And that's what I'm like. <laughs> but I just don't have the money to back it up. Right. To actually make it happen. So my thing is, I'm always telling people, if you see me promoting something, it means I'm working mm -hmm. against my will to make money like <laughs> we all need to do. Um, <laughs> so please don't compliment me for being busy. Yes. Because being busy. It's a lie. It's not our natural state. It's so dumb. I hate it. So I'm very happy to have a bizarre schedule. Like yeah. I might watch a movie in the middle of the afternoon and then maybe do some work at night. I just do what I feel like when I feel like yeah. it. And I have some like things, I have a Patreon, like a podcast. So that's kind of my living right now. Right. I mean, it's not, it's like a partial living, but it's, you know, it's something. Right. So, you know, I like do that. If that takes up some time and I am trying to write a few things again because you got to, but mm -hmm. not like, I love writing, you know, I'm really yeah. kind of enjoying this time to read and I never used to watch TV and watch TV. So I'm okay and I'm healthy and my family's healthy. Mm -hmm. So I have nothing to complain about. Yeah. I mean, well, for me, like I've said often on the show, I mean, my life didn't change that much personally. The only thing that's different for me is, that, um, you know, I mean, when I moved to Maryland from California, it was because my mother had moved out here and I, you know, she doesn't have anybody. So um, I wanted to be able to be close to my mom. And it just, you know, my f we're from Maryland. So I'm now close to my father and my brother and sister. And my brother has a niece who's six years old. And I just really started, uh, you know, having fun with her and making dates to go. Like I'd go over to my dad's house and my niece and my dad and I would all color. And I love that. You know, it's just fun on a Saturday, like a rainy Saturday or something. That's the last thing I did. It was a rainy Saturday, and I went over there in February. And, you know, we made cookies, and we colored, and it was just so fun and homey. And, oh, you know, it's so nice. yeah, I loved it. And then and I like it because I set the time frame of when I'm going to be out. I'm like, okay, Dad, I'm going to be there from, you know, 2 to 5 or whatever it is. And then I do it my you know I I'm not listening to other people tell me how long I have to be anywhere and it's fun and I like it because I'm like the way you describe yourself it reminds me of me it's like you like having control of your time and yeah. um you know and the nice thing is fortunately with Bob I you know I'm really grateful because because both of our lives again haven't really changed he's in his office all day long and I don't you know we pass each other occasionally in the kitchen or you know he'll come into my office and say oh did you hear that you know Eric is now um <laughs> <laughs> being sued or you know whatever but it's like we don't really see each other during the day and he you know after he is finished working he works out so he doesn't really emerge from his office until 9 30 10 at night and then we sit together on the couch and we watch what we're, whatever we're going to watch and then we go to bed. So it's like no, nothing's changed. And fortunately, we're not up each That's other's right. asses, you know, because it's like he had I, I get we want our privacy. So it's really great yeah. to have our privacy, but to know the other person is right there. And thankfully, we are both on the same page as far as safety, because I'm probably the most paranoid, s careful person. 
You know, it's like, yeah. I just got a fucking shield. I have um, a face shield. I've got the eye. They're not goggles, but they're like the construction worker glasses that have the protection on the side. I have my oh, mask. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, then, I love those. Yeah. Those are cool looking. They are. And, I, and, and they're, they make me feel safe. And then I wash everything. I treat everything I bring home, including my hair and body, as contaminated. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure I've opened myself up to, to some risk, but it's probably the lowest possible risk. But the thing that's really scaring me and freaking me out is my mom has been experiencing pain for some time, both in her knees and her hips. So long story short, one of her, both of her hips are bad, but one of her hips collapsed and she needs oh. to have surgery. So, oh, um, no. yeah, oh, so no, no, no. We're, we're, she's going to have surgery on October 30th. And I'm going to stay with her. And she's safe, too. She also, you know, is very, very safe like I am. But still, it's like she's going to the hospital and I'm scared and I'm worried. Like, please don't let there be any complications. And so she has to keep going well, back. And it's just is, is she out. going to have to do physical therapy after and um, like live in a home? Or no, something? no, 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 no. I, that's why oh, I, that's I'm going to go. She's getting this particular two kinds of hip surgeries that you can do. And my uncle happened to have the one that it's about a week uh, I think it's about a. W I think the normal one takes about four weeks for you to heal. So this one takes you two to three weeks. So his wife, my aunt, had the one that took longer. And he said, oh, mine was much better. It was a much faster healing. There was no pain. It was just stiffness. And I think he said within a week or a week and a half, he was out walking 30 to 40 minutes, which my mom can't do right now. So, um, you know, I'm going to probably stay with her for about two weeks, give or take. And providing it you know like the thing that i'm just worried about is like please don't let us get sick please don't let us get yeah. covid i think you'll be fine in the hospital you know i was thinking about i don't know if you follow Lori kilmartin the comedian on twitter whose mom died of covid oh, no um, i don't she's really funny she writes for conan and Lori wrote a book five years ago called dead people suck about her dad dying hmm. she live tweeted her dad's hospice wow and it was brilliant you know because it was gallows humor right. but it was real yeah and then her mom moved in with her. Her mom became a Trump supporter. Oh, my God. Her mom started to get a little crazy, you know, mm -hmm. and took her, re you know, refund check from the government and sent it to Glenn Beck. Oh, my you God. Know, loves Trump. Was like, COVID's not real, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. But she was, like, really inactive. I mean, didn't couldn't go anywhere or do anything. And she lived with Lori and Lori's son. And Lori was always just like, this is a lot, you know. And her mom was in, in her 80s. And so her mom, same thing. I mean, not same thing, but mom had a hip issue, went to the hospital. And then they were like, oh, she's got to go to like a rehab place, mm. like live in a nursing home for a month. And that's where she got COVID. Hospital wow. was totally right. on the up and up. Yeah. But, and so I was going to say, oh, don't let her go. To oh, no, no, no. In fact, my dad's cousin died for from exactly that. She went to a, uh, she went to some kind of rehab, and I guess it was a nursing home, and it was in the middle of COVID, and she died. And it was awful because – it was so awful, too, because her brother got COVID almost immediately after, but he's okay. But, yeah. I mean, two family members get COVID. But, unfortunately, it was extra harsh on her. It ravaged her lungs, and it was just – it was so sad and so yeah. awful. And, you know, I mean, I knew her. She was my dad's yeah. cousin, so I met her when I was a kid. I, I didn't have a relationship with her. But from what I understood about her, she was just kind of quiet, and I think she was different than most of the family. And, you know, and then she died, and it's just like – it, so, yeah, I mean, I'm more – I mean, I'm, I know the hospital should be safe. Plus, where my mother lives is kind of – um, you know, kind of out of the beaten path. So the COVID cases there are pretty low. 
but still yeah. it's just you know it's just something that you worry about the one thing that I'm excited about though is that um, even though it starts off sad is that you know my cat died in June and she you know I've yeah. had cats my whole life and so when she died it was devastating and it was awful and now I don't have any cats and so I've had one I've always had cats and so now um you know, Bob and I were discussing it, like, when when do we get new cats? And so I, I fortunately was able to convince him to get two because he only want, he was only interested in one because he was afraid that there was going to be politics, cat politics. But <laughs> I, I was able to convince him two are better. So I'm not sure if we're going to do it right when I get back because I'm not doing it before. I, I want, like, I'm very controlling and I want to be with those cats constantly. And so... Um, he would be fine and he would take care of them. But the point is, is like, I want to be with them when they're kittens. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're, and they're so cute. And I just, I'm, I'm just oh, so desperately want to have them. And, but it's like, do we, do we do it before Christmas? Because we're going to have a tree and, you know, do we want to deal with the cats driving us crazy with the tree? But, but I think I'm going to have to decide that, yes, we will do it before Christmas <laughs> because I'm like feeling so anxious. I don't have that, um, you know, it's yeah. very nice to be in this this COVID crap with someone who I know loves me and it makes me feel good. But it's not a he's not a cat. I can't like he, like that's been my one biggest complaint about yeah. Bob. He's not a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would like him so much more. Than I know, but I know what you mean. And it's a long time to wait for a cat. It and is. It, and it, they're never more annoying than at Christmas, but then it'll be just like a kid. You'll be like, but it's worth it. I know. Moments that they're so cute. <laughs> and that's how, I mean, I just, I, I just desperately want one um, or two, I should say. Do you want to hear the saddest thing is, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. You're talking about your parents. I, mine are in Boston or Massachusetts and thank God they're taking this seriously. Yeah. Even though they're politically more Trump. Um, my mom, not anymore. My dad is good. But thank God they've lived through pandemics before or, like, the Asian flu of the yeah. 50s. You know, like, they, they get it, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, thank God. Like, but I miss them. <laughs> I see them four to five times a year, and I yeah. won't see them for a year, and they're 82. Right. Yeah, wow. And I'm fucking pissed. And yeah. they're, they're a young 82. Like, when I say I see them four to five times a year, I mean, we meet up around the country. Like, I go to Vegas with them. They wow. see me on tour. Like, you know. Yeah. But I... Fucking, I'm so angry at Trump that mm -hmm. he's taken a year of my life, mm -hmm. and the most important thing is that I haven't seen my parents, mm -hmm. and yes. I'm just so angry. And they don't do, they don't have computer, like they don't have FaceTime and yeah. Zoom, and none of that. It's just talking on the phone, anyway. But I love cats. I live in a condo that the doesn't allow pets. I mean, <laughs> I've seen a couple cats wandering around. I think people do have them, yeah. but I just don't want one because well, you travel. I just, the travel, but even not that, I just don't, I, I like love cats, but I've never enjoyed taking care of anything. And so yeah. I don't want like, oh my God, it suddenly needs like a new liver and right. I, don't want, like, <laughs> I just don't want any fuss. <laughs> yeah. But well, I know I'm, that it's yeah. really good for you to like, you know, it's again, this is what I was saying about living alone. Like even if I were single romantically, I touch people, mm -hmm, you know what mm -hmm, I mean? Like mm -hmm. you get a massage or you hug mm -hmm. friends or if you have a fling or whatever, like your body's being touch i don't mean sexually but like by humans right. and so like it's important to think of that stuff and i think people feel really embarrassed talking about it but like you can rub your own arms or like hug yourself yeah. you know because your body doesn't know who's doing it and so anyway there are these stuffed animals that are i mean all stuffed animals are soft but there's a certain brand that's kind of for elderly people and like <laughs> veterans with 
PTSD. <laughs> it's my birthdays this week. And I asked my sister, I was like, all I want Aww. is a black and white tuxedo cat stuffed animal. <laughs> she sent, and she sent it to me. And I've been like snuggling on yeah. the couch watching Better Call Saul with it, which is a strange combination. But <laughs> like, I love my stuffed animals so much. Yeah. I can't even imagine a real cat. I would burst with joy. Well, yeah. So. I mean, it, I will say that, you know, back in May when, when she, she had a, a blockage, her bowel blockage, and I know that's event. I don't know why. I don't know what the reason was. Um, she had had one in 2018. And so I wasn't sure initially um, if this was just going to be another repeat where we solved the case, but she, she never quite got better. So there was like a month and a half where I knew what was happening and it was just really fucking hard. I mean, it was so hard because I, you know, there would be during the day, um, she would pretty much act normal. But as, as this thing progressed toward the evening, she started sundowning and she, and I, I don't know if it was dementia, but she would start crying and, um, (gasps) it was, it was awful. And I was giving her CBD oil and it did help, but it made her, um, it made her walk funny and you know and again i don't know if the walking f- i mean it only seemed to happen she was walking funny when i gave her the cbd oil but then the last d- day that she was with us she was walking funny so she was losing her muscle uh, muscle mass and all of that i don't know you know and the thing that really pissed me off was i this vet that we went to it was a corporate vet and you know i haven't really found i i know a better vet now my my father and my sister directed me to a better vet but when we first moved here I just found the closest one and it's like a corporate vet where they just want to upsell you on everything and that's what they were trying to do and they were like we you know and she was 16 years old and they're like well let's do tests and she might have kidney failure and it's like well if she has kidney failure what the fuck am I going to do about it you yeah know, like I'm, a test can prove it yeah. that that's you, you're dying yeah like, and it's okay. like I'm going to yeah. spend 200 dollars because you're pushing me to do this to find out that she's either got cancer which I'm going to do nothing about or whatever I find out she has, I'm not doing anything. She's 16. You know, I'm not putting her through all kinds of, you know, whatever they do for cats that are dying of cancer. It's like, I'm not, not putting her on chemotherapy or anything. So I just decided to like, let her do what she was going to do. And fortunately the day that she died, um, we had somebody come to our house, which was a little scary, but thankfully nothing happened, but it was good because I just really didn't want to have it. I didn't want to take her to, you know, some vet and put her down. So I was able to do it on our bed but it was so sad because it was like I mean it was really sad for me but you know Bob and her had gotten very close and he was just he was a mess he was just a complete mess while it was happening and afterward he said um he said wow you know that was that was the hardest you know or I don't know what words he used but it was like he had never cried so hard um, over an animal. But the crazy thing, I told everybody on this on my, or I told everybody this on my show before, but I thought this was interesting because, and take it for what it's worth, but <laughs> that day when she was, you know, we were waiting for the guy to come, um, she was uncomfortable and she kind of didn't want me around her. And I kept following her everywhere she went. So I wanted to spend every second with her. So um, she would stay, you know, in one place for maybe 20 minutes and then she'd start crying again and get up and she'd you know go somewhere else and so f- I, I brought her over to the couch and she was laying on the couch and I'm laying there with her and I just started talking to her and what we for a good hour and a half I was oh. talking to her and she was looking at me and she was engaging with me and it was really amazing and so I had this thought and I told her I said Miranda if I said when when you're gone um if you can come back and let me know that you're okay I would really appreciate it and I said I don't care you know how it is 
And then I had this thought. I can't, you know, I don't even want to call it a premonition, but I just had this thought yeah. because I knew that we were going to get uh, some kind of storm that night, which I just have to preface this with we had had a storm before she died. And it was right over us, and it was cracking lightning, and it was just, like, really intense. And, you know, w fortunately, our electricity stayed on, and everything was fine. So on this particular night, I, was, I had this thought that, okay, we're going to have a storm. So if the lights go out, I don't even, you know, it's going to be Miranda. That's her telling me she's okay or something like that. So, and that's really all I thought. So that night, it's over. She's not there anymore, and, you know, the crying is finally kind of stopping. And there is a storm way off in the distance, way, 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 way off. And so there's a little bit of lightning, and we can kind of see it, but it's far off. And then the crazy thing, all the lights go out, and then they come back on, and then they go out, and then they come back on, and then they go out, and then they come back on, which never happens. So then the lights stay out. Oh, and, I love and, this. And yeah. so one light in the living room, one light in Bob's room, and one light outside all at the same time start flickering while all the other lights are out. And so Bob looks up where the storm is. It's not anywhere close to us, but it's just our neighborhood that went out. And I was like, hmm. <laughs> I'd like to believe that's Miranda telling me that she's okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but I would, you know, it was so weird that I had that thought, you know, and, and it's not that I thought, oh, this is going to happen or what. I just had this thought, like, the lights are going to go. I mean, I didn't think in terms of it flickering, but I've never yeah. seen anything like, like I've never seen when, when the lights are out all over your whole neighborhood and only three lights come on and they flicker. What's funny, my sister is a, a cat person. She's got four cats and she's <laughs> got a, she teaches horseback riding lessons and she's like the cell phone's little farm and you know, whatever animals galore. Our family <laughs> is cat crazy. You know, <laughs> I had a cat growing up that we worship. We still talk Aww. about the cat. That's why, weirdly, I don't want to have one because the pain yeah. of losing one, like, I, I just don't it's have hard. the balls to do it again. And uh, anyway, so my sister had a cat just like you and Miranda was so close with, with Lou, her cat. And mm -hmm. she, same thing, was talking to him, you know, in his last final hours. And he was really looking at her. Mm -hmm. And she said, I loved when you used to sit, uh, he used to kind of sit on the, almost on her head, but like on the platform of the bed above mm -hmm. her head, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I just, she goes, I just want you to sit above my head, <clears throat> uh, if that's going to be a thing, if there's a cat afterlife, and I just want to know you're there. Aww. So she says now, and I'll see it, like I'll be in her room and I'll see it, her cats that are still alive, when Gail's in bed, will stare right above really? her head, wow. like they see something, and they just stare, and they make, they meow. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that weird? That is so cool. And I'm cool. like, I don't know, man. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I just, uh, I, I, I love to, I love to dabble in the hope of that. You know, it's like, of course, we can't prove it, but that's the whole point. And I mean, that's the point of faith. Not that I'm a religious person, but I absolutely, I do believe in um, the power of the universe and all that, you know, and I've, I've recently, I'd say at the start of this year, I've been really working with manifesting in the law of attraction, and it's been beneficial to me because it keeps me in the positive. And I'm really, you know, during COVID, it was really hard with Miranda. I was kind of unable to do it, so I just yeah. kind of I went neutral, or I was sad. But um, I went neutral. <laughs> <laughs> Great expression. <laughs> 
But it's like, I, you know, feeling like when you're working with the law of attraction, you have to be um, aware of all the abundance in your life. You have to keep your, your energy high and, and positive. And so yeah. um, for the longest time, I've had such a fortunate life when I look back on it, but there were so many times when I felt sorry for myself and I thought the universe doesn't have my back. And, you know, I'd feel so sorry for myself and like the universe has it out for me. And I just was recently thinking like, what a stupid thing to say. Like the universe has it out for me. That's so stupid. <laughs> it's like, right. I've always yeah. been, yeah. I've always had a good fortunate time. It doesn't mean my life has been perfect or I've, you know, I've had sorrows and hard times and that's not the universe punishing me. That's just life. And, you know, and the idea with law of attraction is like, you have a choice to react to what's happening to you. You can either sink into it and get depressed or you can recognize that you can have your emotional pain, but not feed into it. It's like, even when Miranda was dying, I was, it's so hard for me. And I, her yeah. dying was harder than when she died because I was, I, I knew she was uncomfortable. And I, I kept telling myself, um, I'm allowed to grieve. I'm allowed to be sad, but I'm not allowed, I'm not allowing myself to be unhealthy about it because what I have a tendency to do is glom on to the scary parts and to the painful parts and keep reliving that instead of um, recognizing this is a life cycle. And, you know, I knew yeah. when I got her, she was going to die. And that was the whole point that she would have her whole life with me and that I would be with her at her last breath and everything was happening the way it was supposed to. It was still sad, but I was like, it, I mean, I would get, I was physically ill the whole time. I had a stomach ache for a month and a half. And so it's like, you know, I'm trying so hard, but like with the whole idea with the law of attraction though, it's like, I like being open to the idea that there is this universe out there that's vast and sometimes it offers you things and you're like, wow, whether, you know, whether it's, you know, I interviewed this fucking awesome guy named Hank Gilbert last week. I love this guy. He's running against Louis Gohmert in Texas. And he was saying how, and he is just like the white man he's a Democrat, but he's like that white good old boy in Texas with the accent. And he was saying that his wife had passed away three years ago and he was watching the Mueller report. He was watching the Mueller hearing and Louis Gohmert was screaming and being a fucking dick. And he said, he it's like, he's hurt his wife in his ear. It's time. It's time for you to oh. run. And so it's like, who's going to doubt that guy? You know, who's yeah. going to say, Oh, you're full of it. You, you, you know, you, um, new age guy and he's like not a new age dude he's like a no, texas that's like guy very, like you could see like a christian kind of person saying that in a psycho way but he's yes it like <laughs> well you know it's you kind of hit the nail on the head about why i'm doing okay in this quarantine you know is last year was such a shock to my system of of you name every single thing i do for a career it was gone mm -hmm. it was gone it was scary it still is and I was feeling sorry for myself. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to be, <clears throat> you know, obviously when we do that, we magnify it. Mm -hmm. And it just, who would want to be around that, you know? And then this year I was like, I just softened around it, relaxed into it and was like, yeah, I don't know. Like shrug, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, you know? But yeah. I am, you know, I have these, uh, I have been saying that I'm, kind of not overly interested in the same career things that I always have been. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's happening. And um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm actually, you know, I can, it's very interesting. Like, so last year I felt very like 
forgive the gross word, but I could feel like this universal constipation. I was like, mm -hmm. literally nothing is coming my way, you mm -hmm. know, like nothing. Mm -hmm. And I was leaning into it. And then this year I was like, look, I'm going to be grateful for um, abundance that I know is coming that mm -hmm. I can't see it yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's literally... And, and all these residual checks came in this year wow. from, that should have been mailed to me last year. But I mean, they weren't a lot of money, but it was just little Still, signs yeah, that right. like, I'm not saying I controlled any of this, but what I'm saying is like, I can sit there and be miserable and think nothing yes. is happening. Or I can sit there and go, you know what? Something always works out. Yes. I bet there's things going on behind the scenes that I just don't know yet. And also like, I can't live... I can't jump to the end of the story and try to live, like you said, like stay in the pain and the mm -hmm. fear. I can't stay there to protect myself and be like, well, keeping it real, shit's bad, I'm in a, <laughs> you know? And it's like, no, like, it's okay to have a little bit of hope or just a little yeah. bit of like not knowing, you yeah. know? And like you said, like, I, I am kind of keeping it in a neutral, like in a good way where it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, like I take the next right action. I do, you know, I don't sit around, like we do our work and then yeah. we're like, yeah. Anything could happen, <laughs> good or bad. Yeah, I don't you, know. you never, you, know. you never know. And then, well, this brings me to the fact that you've been um, offering relaxation classes. So, yes. And I saw you talking about that on Instagram. So, fill me in. <laughs> well, I've, I've had. I don't know why I feel like I need to say this because it's I'm not like embarrassed about it and I'm not bragging, but I'm not currently suffering from panic attacks yeah um i've pretty much got them under amazing control i might have two a year whereas i used to have eight a day you know wow. yeah. um and anxiety is something that i won't allow to live in my body but i'm a very neurotic person so anxiety definitely informs how i think you mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. um i'm a big i'm someone who really like every mood they're in i believe it 100 percent. and so like i have to be very careful when i make big life decisions because I could make them on a whim. So like yeah. that's where anxiety kind of trips me up yeah. for everyone. It's different, but anywho. So, um, I've had generalized anxiety disorder since I was eight and panic disorder since I was eight undiagnosed until I was 22. So, you know, this is before the internet, as you mm -hmm. re recall. And, uh, <laughs> back then there was no way to know what these feelings were mm -hmm. and they were scary. And I thought I must be crazy, but I wasn't like suffering. It was just sort of, yeah. I had a double life, you know, right. it was almost like my little secret. I had fun at school. So it, it, it led me into this dichotomy of living where it was like, I better have so much fun because I'm going to be put in an institution. Once I tell people <laughs> about this, I really didn't know back then. It was like, you're crazy and yeah. in an institution or you're normal. There's right. nothing else. Right. And blah, blah, blah. So of course, you know, I'm 21 and <clears throat> I go to therapy the, for the first time. And this woman explains anxiety to me and it's all very scientific and, chemical and I'm like oh and it was so um eye-opening that I just I, I anyway so I kept working on it my whole life I definitely went through periods where my anxiety rolled the roost I used to have panic disorder so bad that I couldn't even get on an airplane mm -hmm. my goal was never to be a traveling comic and <laughs> then I um don't have a fear of flying anymore from working on it wow. and blah, blah, blah. So I have so much to offer. Mm -hmm. And then the last five years, I kind of worked on like the more uh, psychological parts of my anxiety. So anyway, back last year when things were really busy, but not anything coming to fruition on my to-do list forever was do a thread about anxiety on mm -hmm. Twitter. 
where you're just like informing people. And I never got around to it hmm. on my to-do list for a year. And then I wrote like, I just wrote a bunch of anxiety resources in like the notes section of my phone. And <clears throat> I sent a note on Twitter, like, Hey, if you guys think you're having anxiety during COVID, if it's really hard for you to be in lockdown, like send me an email at this address and I'll write, I'll send you some pointers. Mm -hmm. And that grew from one pages to now it's a 53 page PDF. Wow. <laughs> and it's, it's everything, rec books to recommend what happens to your body when you're anxious, my story, podcasts you can listen to. It's free resources for people who cannot afford therapy right now. Yeah. And then it became a weekly newsletter. Like I had this newsletter that I would use to send people my tour dates. And then I started a weekly newsletter called anxiety bites, a little reality <laughs> bites, shout out. And in the newsletter, I take like a little tiny aspect of anxiety and write about it. Each week's a different topic and there's like a video. And then I thought, okay, why don't I teach classes? Because I need an income and I don't want to do Zoom shows. And so I teach, you know, I'm not a therapist, so I can't give therapy. And right. I'm not a meditation certified, whatever. But there's a thing called progressive muscle relaxation, which this amazing doctor in the early turn of the century, 19, early 1900s, was trying to preach. Like, if you have a relaxed body, it's really hard to have an anxious mind. Hmm. And, you know, people were starting to become workaholics and mm -hmm. industrial revolution, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And no one was listening to him. They were like, no, I relax with a drink. And he was like, that's not <laughs> true deep relaxation, right, yeah. you know? So when I took this fear of flying course in the 90s, we had this down-to-earth psychiatrist who taught the class it was at the airport back when you could go in the airport for no reason <laughs> and he smoked during class inside <laughs> and drank coffee and he'd lead us through progressive muscle relaxation which is basically just tightening and relaxing certain muscle groups and doing visualizations yeah but he'd be sitting there do we'd be sitting there with our eyes shut and he'd be smoking going relax you cat <laughs> and like <laughs> I loved this man because he kept it so real. Yeah. And, you know, I love, I'll read any spiritual book. I'm really into Buddhism, whatever, but I don't need people whispering. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, Eckhart Tolle. I'm like, I cannot stand that guy. I love his <laughs> books. I do not want to hear him whispering and telling yeah. me that he's reached enlightenment. It's such <laughs> bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> what if there's people? so many people out there who having so i used to think so i'm teaching classes in the vein of dr ford journey i'm not smoking mm -hmm. but you know it's this like i'm a person with anxiety yes you have anxiety no you don't have it worse than anyone else it's like that like kind of people are stuck in a little bit of a mentality like they're afraid to try they're afraid to get help so i do like a not what i call a non-meditation meditation where i take people through um like calming their brain. I do uh, some breathing re exercises for people that kind of get anxious about deep breathing. Yeah. And I do muscle relaxation and then I do affirmations, but they're not, um, you know, they're not airy fairy. They're mm -hmm. very real affirmations mm -hmm. that you can do while you're breathing, which is I am safe. Mm -hmm. I have, there's plenty of air, you know, none of them are not yeah. true. Right. And none of them are aspirational either. It's like very, you know, and so I'm trying to teach people to, that they're, two things we can control in life, our breath and our thoughts. Mm -hmm. And those are the two things that cause anxiety. Like when we're breathing yes. incorrectly, when we're thinking incorrectly and yet people with anxiety or control freaks, they're not <sighs> interested in controlling those two things. They want to control everything else. But once you control the right things, you care less about controlling the world. So 
I just want people to feel relaxed, to feel like they deserve it, to feel safe. It, it, I felt so unsafe as a kid. And, and I just thought nobody has anxiety anymore because you can Google it and figure it out. And it's not true. People don't even know where to start. So I thought maybe the comedian they trust can help them. So it's <laughs> just a one hour class. Um, it's in Sunday in September, it's coming up. Like there's two every Sunday and mm. it's been amazing. Like I've taught like eight classes. I, I, basically tear up at the end of every class. I love it so much. And I'm getting feedback from people that's like, I never knew this. Or, you know, my son has anxiety and he's 13 and we tuned in and did the exercises together. And, you know, it's like, you don't have to be this like spiritual guru and meditate. You can like literally just do guided muscle relaxation. And we're holding so much trauma and tension in our bodies from this president and this year that, you know, we got to make it fun as well, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm trying to just let people know, like, we don't have to be so serious about yeah. it. it. It feels very serious, but we can have fun with it. And so I'm, it's pouring out of me. Like it's the joy of my life to write these newsletters, do these classes that like, I don't know where this is leading, but I have a feeling this is the beginning of something yes. for me Yes. and I'm just going to let it happen. Um, but it's the most fulfillment I've ever had from wow. anything. That's and great. It, it feels really right. Cause I, I can't tell you, I lived for 10 years with this secret. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, it breaks my heart that anybody is confused about anxiety. <laughs> I just want to help everybody. So, you know, I know that's a very long answer. No, but that's, that's good to know. Doing. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you because there was, there was one time I, I think I had an anxiety attack. I, I don't really suffer from anxiety per se. I worry a lot and I, can, you know, I have a tendency, or at least I used to have a tendency to jump down the negative rabbit hole. And, you know, like poor Bob would have to listen to me when I was in one of my really low, like I had, when I lost my Facebook page, um, and it was in October of 2018, I, I wasn't making tons of money as a blogger, but I was at least holding my own and I was making more, a little more than I needed. And, you know, and I had just come, I mean, this, it's, this, this whole decade, this last decade has been about reinventing myself. And the one thing that I was unable to do was make lots and lots of money. I mean, I was able to make strides on social media and I was able to get myself a blue check and interview people like you and, and, and interesting, successful people. And so, but I wasn't making the income that I wanted. And then I lost my Facebook page and I just completely... I mean, I can't even describe how devastating it was. And so I was going through this period. It lasted about a year where I was just, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser. And poor Bob, he would try to um, say things to me that were positive, And I would just run down the litany of all the reasons I was a loser. I'm like, no, you're wrong because I'm yeah. a loser. I'm a loser because of this. And I'm a loser because of that. And this person has more than I do. And, and I mean, he would yeah. just, he's not a, <laughs> a fucking psychologist. And the poor guy, he just didn't even know how to deal with me sometimes. And he just had, I'm like, just let me, let me, you know, stew in my own shit. And so fortunately, like uh, my friend said to me, why don't you, you know, work on manifesting? You're pretty good at that. And um, I started this whole new thing. But in 2014, because it was this um, decade long journey that I've been on, I was living with my mother. I had quit smoking, which is good, but then I had gained all this weight. And I think at the same time I was going through like perimenopause, so I had, you know, all of a sudden within a month's time after quitting smoking, I gained all this weight. And I knew that, I'm, I don't know when this was, I, was, I want to find out if this was, like, is this like a legit anxiety or panic attack? And so 
Anyway, I was just, <laughs> I was so upset and I went, I was supposed to give a speech at the, um, at the Capitol for the Equal Rights Amendment and I was freaking out because I was much heavier than I've ever been and I'm so vain and I just couldn't deal with it. And so I went shopping to see if I, and it was probably like in April and my speech was like, I guess in August or something. So I had months to go. And I had been yeah. working out for four months and nothing was happening. I was on a diet and working out and nothing was happening and no fat was leaving my body and I was so pissed. And so I'm going out and I'm looking for clothes and I don't have a lot of money and I'm living with my fucking mother in my 40s and I'm just, I just was feeling so bad about myself. And so I came home and I, I, you know, when I was looking for clothes, I couldn't find anything because I'm not used to my body looking like this and I don't know what to wear. I don't know, you know, I'm tall and I have broad shoulders anyway. So it's like everything was difficult and I hated everything. So I come home and I'm in bed and I was upset. So my, you know, I start, I don't know, my mother comes in my room and I start talking to her and then I start again, again, doing the litany of all the things of why I'm a loser and everything's so awful. And I was crying so hard that I got a pain in my, my left arm started to hurt. And then mm. my, my chest got very tight and I thought I might be having a heart attack. And I yeah. was telling my mom, I'm like, I think I might be having a heart attack. And she's like, I think you just need to calm down. And I'm like, Wah! and eventually, thank God, you know, I looked up uh, the symptoms of a heart attack and there were a few things that were not happening. So I thought, well, I'm just going to wait this out. And fortunately, it, you know, it went away and, 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 th and that never happened again. But I mean, is that what happens during an anxiety attack? Yeah, I mean, that sounds more like an anxiety attack than a panic attack. Mm -hmm. And it's different for everyone. But it's funny, like your whole like I'm a loser for a year, like I'd call that anxiety as well. You know, yeah. that's that kind of there's so many. There's a really great book called The Anxiety and Phobia Workbook. And it this, this psychiatrist really runs down all. I mean, anxiety is so broad and a lot of it is just thought disorder. Mm -hmm. You know, the anxiety attack is like one part of it right but it's so much not about how we feel in our bodies feeling anxious um but i do the relaxation classes because when our bodies are relaxed it, again it affects our mind a lot so it sounds like you know what's interesting is i get very angry when i just see um a lot of common wisdom being passed around like deep breaths and it's like well when someone's anxious we're you know we treat anxiety attacks like like asthma attacks like more oxygen and it's mm -hmm. actually we're getting too much oxygen when we're hmm. hyperventilating. Yes. And when our carbon dioxide isn't balanced out, because, you know, you've seen it in, like, the old movies where someone's wife's having a baby and the guy's blowing into a paper bag. Right, like, yes. That's actually science. Like, we need actually to balance our carbon dioxide. So huh. you're crying hysterically, you're hyperventilated breathing. Now that starts to affect your body. It makes you sensitive to light, to sounds. It makes your arms, uh, your extremities tingly, mm -hmm. um, which can be also pain. It makes you feel like you can't breathe. Then your heart, your chest is tight because you're literally hyperventilating. Mm -hmm. And then your heart races. It's mm -hmm. everything. But it wow. usually, your body is reacting to your thoughts. Yes. You know, and so that's what that was. Wow. And, and some people just live that way. Like they don't have such an extreme one that like other people can see it but you know this is why in my class i do this what i call non-meditation meditation because meditation, i think people go oh, i can't meditate i can't stop my thoughts and i'm trying to explain to people that's not what meditation is so <laughs> good good <laughs> like you're not supposed to stop your thoughts yeah you're supposed to observe them and yes. i think people don't want to observe their thoughts yeah. because we're so com i call it the cnn news crawl we're walking around all day we're at work 
talking to Sally in the kitchen at work, but we're going, I'm a piece of shit. I'm a loser. I don't mm-hmm. know this. I don't know that. I don't know that. You know, I do that all the time. And, and then the, those thoughts, like they're going into your body. It's like you're poisoning yourself. Mm-hmm. And yes, then totally. if, if we stop for 10 minutes a day and like kind of notice our thoughts, um, we start to be like, Hey, wait a minute. And mm-hmm. you know, we don't, the thoughts are still going to come, but we don't, I always say like, if a stranger knocks on your door and you look out the window and they look sketchy, you're not like better let them in. They're knocking, you know, <laughs> But with our negative thoughts, we're like, well, it's here. I better yeah. follow it down the rabbit hole. Right. And we can start just <laughs> yes. saying, no, thanks to the yeah. thought. Like, yeah, no, that's your greatest hit. Yep, I know. Oh, tell me yeah. oh, I'm a loser. Yep, I don't know. Okay, good, good, good. And we got to get, like, good at that. And so, but, yeah, so there's such a mind-body connection. It's like your your thoughts actually triggered Yes, your that, body yeah. to do that and and we you know like that that thing where you're like no bob let me just think i'm a loser for a year <laughs> i had that you know i go through that all the time like and it it it's yeah it's like our weird way of protecting ourselves like you know we're so afraid of it getting worse that yeah. we're like let's just sit in this awfulness yeah I can handle this because i know what this is but it's it's so scary to have hope when you're in those moments because you just yeah. don't want to be made a fool of. Right. I always used to say that. Yes. I don't want to be. Listen to me. I would give my therapist. I'm 45. My <laughs> career is over. I don't. And she'd be like, "What? What are you?" I'm like, "If I have hope, if I have hope, yeah. And in 10 years, nothing happens. I'm gonna look fucking stupid for having hope." She's like, "Who? Who is gonna be going? What yeah. an idiot, Janet!" Like, <laughs> she's like, "Don't you want to be the person who's kind and friendly and hopeful that yeah. people love?" And in 10 years, if you go, guys, I'm really sad. I never found another relationship and I never bought a house. People would be like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Then no one would be like, you're a loser. You know? <laughs> know, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's so funny because it's all about vulnerability and how scary yeah. it is, I think. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, I mean, what you were saying as far, I mean, it's also it's so physically unhealthy. I mean, you can have an attack like that, but. Um, it can also probably lead to things like cancer. You know, if you keep having negative things, negative thoughts, always living in the negative. And I, I look back at my life and I have two, two separate thoughts, but it's like, I look back on it and I feel like despite my tendency to beat myself up for a variety of different things, there were times that I felt confident. There were times that I, you know, had, I mean, I, I felt good about myself. So not all of it was like me just beating up on myself, although I've spent so much of my life and I continue to do it today, uh, having a difficult time accepting my body. But, um, yeah. especially because I've, you know, when I, when I went into menopause, I gained weight and I've, I've had such a difficult time with it and I've talked about it so much and I don't want to bore everybody, but it's just, it's this constant battle in my head, constant. And right now the big thing are my arms. I fucking hate my arms. They have like cellulite. They d- they're not the arms that I used to have. And no matter how much I work out, no matter what I do, nothing fucking works. And I like, yeah. I fantasize about having the fat sucked out, but then I'm afraid to do that. And it's just this constant fucking thing. But I mean, at least aside from my body, which I still have to work on and I, I still have to figure out how to accept myself. Um, one of the things that I used to do or, or that I was doing before I, you know, and I, and I say law of attraction and that's such a broad subject. And I think to each person who practices it, they have their own individual way. I mean, I guess there are certain like laws and norms you have to follow in order to make it work, but it's a journey for me and it's a constant learning process and understanding that when I have a negative thought, there's like, it's a fork in the road and I can go one way or I can go the other. So I'm really trying to make myself 
go down the road where I'm not jumping in that negative rabbit hole. But there was this one particular thought that I really can't divulge because it's private and personal and it involves <laughs> other people. But just to say that I had these very negative thoughts about some people that I was holding accountable for my life. This, mm. is, this is why I don't have that. This person said this to me or did this to me, and this is why I'm not successful. And I was resentful. And this was happening, you know, probably the last, like in 2019. Yeah. Uh, because I had lost everything and I was building back up and I was just, you know, I, I was like, pff, I had almost no money. Thankfully, Bob was taking care of us, but I just felt humiliated about that. And so um, it was so interesting because as soon as I started to take on this, Instead of focusing on the negative things and focus on what you do have, recognize all the abundance you have in your life, whether it's comfort or water or, you know, just wh food, whatever it is, yeah. uh, recognize where you're really, you know, where you're grateful for what you have. And I didn't make the effort, but all of those resentful feelings about the people just went away. It just disappeared. And mm. I never, and it's like, right, and it didn't take long. And again, like I didn't right. make I didn't make this conscious decision to say I'm not going to think those resentful thoughts. I just I just rechart like I changed the way my brain works by thinking different thoughts. And the, those other thoughts, not only did they just stop, I don't feel that way anymore about those particular people. I don't hold those people accountable for whatever has happened in my life that has nothing to do with them. But it That's was so yeah. great. Yeah, and it really it's it's it, because it, it was never about them in the first no, place, it wasn't. right? It was no. about and, and that's what I love about like that's the message I'm trying to spread in my anxiety stuff is like people are like, Oh god, I don't have time for this. Uh, they feel so bad that they think it's gonna take a lot to feel better. Yeah. And I'm like, it I show them an exercise that they can do that's literally three minutes long. And I go, Let's do it now and see if you feel a little better. Yeah. And everyone feels a little better. And it's enough to change the better to keep going through your day. You just need to feel like a little bit better yeah. to be like, oh, there's some hope. And then you keep practicing and keep going. But it's it's so interesting, like you just said, like it's just as simple as like replacing thoughts. And yes, I love what yeah. you're saying too, where it's like you're not replacing them with these crazy thoughts, yeah. like these crazy aspirational thoughts and voodoo you're just like i'm grateful i have water i'm mm -hmm. grateful i have comfort <laughs> you know you're just replacing them with the facts yeah you know and it's like you can't argue with that yeah no and it, there and there there is a but like i some of the videos that i like to watch on you mean i haven't paid anybody to uh study the law of attraction i've just looked up things online and youtube and whatever and come to my because really i've been on a journey my entire life when it comes to this kind of stuff of just there's more to life than meets the eye. I've, I've had that proven to me over and over again. And so I've just decided now I'm going to have faith in the universe and understand that the universe does have these, I don't know, like magic is not my favorite word because magic implies illusion, but it's like, yeah. there's, it's like magic is just that what we don't understand, you know, like the whole idea with the lights going off. Let's just say, let's just say Miranda caused that that would be magic that her right, energy, right, right. you know, because energy never dies and your body is just a, uh, uh, like a vehicle for your energy to exist and, 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 and not exist, but I mean, you know, your, your body is there. Your body is not you, your energy is you, you that's your essence. And so it's like, 
if if Miranda d made that happen, then that's the magic. And so, I mean, I've had premonitions before. It's not like tons of them, but I've had them. And, you know, my mother's had them. And even Bob, like, it's funny because he said, sometimes I have, like, these psychic, you know, I have a thought, and then it happens. And, uh, and, and it's so funny because it's happened in front of me where he'll say something very specific, and then an somebody on television will like, say exactly what he just said. It could literally be on the Brady Bunch, which we do still watch. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching that. <laughs> but it's like he'll say something and then Mike Brady will say it and we'll look at each other and we'll go, woo. But I mean, it's like to me, there's like there's definitely an energy out there in the universe that we don't fully understand. And that's where you get your faith. You know, it's like it's not provable. It's not, you know, but you have that faith. And um, I've really come to understand. It's so funny because I'm, I'm not religious I've not been raised with religion, and I, I don't care if somebody's religious. I just don't want someone to try to cram it down my throat and try to convince me. But yeah. um, what I have experienced through this whole journey, this whole year, is, wow, I have a new appreciation, at least for, let's say, Christianity, because Christianity teaches you faith. And, you know, like, I have this friend who's – I haven't seen him for years. I knew him when I was in my early 20s, but he's a dancer, and he's, like, the most fortunate person I've ever met as far as – he just everything happens his way and he I, I you know was thinking like he's Mormon and he, he was raised to believe well first of all he was raised with faith he was raised to believe that God has his back and that he could do anything that he wanted and he's not a jerk about it but right. it's amazing that he had that automatic like I assume that I can have the success and he got the success he didn't, I don't think yeah. he had these fights in his head like, I'm not worthy of it, and I, am I good enough? He just, he, he had that built-in belief, and I don't believe in the Mormon religion at all. But I think, wow, I, I, I look at his choices in life and how he's navigated through his life, and he's, he's, you know, outside looking in, what a fortunate guy this guy is. He's, he's been all over the world. He's danced with Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson and all the big top dancers and, um, you know, and, and, uh, Paula Abdul and all of them and he's made his living doing exactly what he loves with never taking anything but ballroom dancing classes and he just Whoa, <laughs> I know he's amazing in fact this is a funny story I drove him to, he was dancing at the Pointer Sisters concert and so I drove him one year to that concert and of course I got to go watch it and he was in the back seat and he was alone and he smoked a joint an entire joint all by himself and so he goes backstage after he's just been totally, you know, smoked the whole joint. And he went out on stage and blew everybody's mind. He was so good. And, like, when we were in the parking lot walking back to, his, to the car, everybody kept coming up to him and going, oh, my God, you're so good. But it's like the idea that he just assumed that it would be good. He didn't have to fight these negative thoughts. He didn't have them because he was raised with that religion that told him you're special and you're good and you deserve this. So he believed it. And I feel like, wow, you know, if you do have those thoughts that you're deserving, it doesn't mean life is perfect, but things right. come easier to you. Yeah. You kind of just get out of your own way. Yes. And, you know, and as long as if it doesn't work out, he's not like, blah, 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 yes. you know, like, <laughs> sound like though that he he's is just, that. no, he just goes um, on to the next. There's this there's this saying um, by Rumi. You know, he was a uh, like a 12th century like Persian poet, 13th century. He said, "Live as though the universe is rigged in your favor." Yeah, which I love. And he said also, um, "Sell your cleverness and buy bewilderment," which I just hmm. love. You know, yeah. like 
that whole like, oh, I don't know what's out there. Like even just what, I, I mean, this is going down a rabbit hole, but just <laughs> even all of the stuff that's been coming out that normally would be such a huge deal and so exciting about UFOs, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> legit people in our military going, there's things out there we don't understand. And mm -hmm. that's like, with my all the work I've done on myself over the years, I'm at the point where there is such a joy. I read anything about Buddhism. I, read, I meditate. I listen to this podcast. That My whole day is, a lot of it is filled in my free time with spiritual stuff that excites me and interests mm -hmm. me. And I question and I I have fun with like, wow, like and, and how it all ties in with psychology. Mm -hmm. I just have a lot of joy and fun with all of the questions because... Like anyone I feel like who's suffering at all, whether it's anxiety or whether it's self-doubt or whatever, it's kind of a little bit of a calling to get better. And you kind of have to go to the bigger questions and the bigger things in order to get better. And not everyone has that opportunity. Some people are just like fine and they never think about it. And I think I, I got to feel lucky that I'm kind of a mess and I was kind of thrown in that <laughs> direction of, seeking mm -hmm. like it i think it makes things a hell of a lot more interesting mm -hmm. i see so many friends of mine who can't sit still during quarantine you know yeah. like they, they're they're at restaurants and masks and yeah. they just they can't sit in their own thoughts and i am never bored because i'm always right. kind of like what you're saying just thinking about all that stuff it's endlessly interesting to me it is and i mean it's so i, I love talking about it because it is you know it sounds like the words that you use we we we're, we're not on the exact same path but similar paths and yeah um I just, I, I, like I said, I mean, my whole life I've kind of been in search of, I mean, yes, meaning I've always realized we're not going to figure out the meaning of life, but the fun yeah. is trying to discover it and coming up with theories. And, you know, when, when you kick upon, you know, I mean, there was this one experience I have and then, I, and then before we go, I do want to ask you about something political because we haven't really talked about any politics, oh, yeah. but that's okay. <laughs> but I'll only have that one question. But I had this experience once when I was an actor and I visual, I like I laid on the floor and I got myself relaxed and I had this really important audition. And so I visualized the entire day. I mean, in detail to, you know, what, it, what the room looked like that I was auditioning in to what was going to happen, everything as uh, that day. The only thing that I did not do is I didn't visualize getting the part and I didn't visualize like because they always say in law of attraction, you, you decide whatever it is you want to manifest because we manifest everything whether we want to or not. So you decide whatever mm. it is you want to manifest and then you say or better. So I want to have a million dollars or better. I want to have this house or better. And so I didn't do anything like that. I just focused on the day. And this particular casting director that was that I was going to go see, I had already met her, and I probably made no, I, I know I made no impression on her because it was, I met her, uh, she was a, a commercial casting director, and I sucked at commercial auditions. I was so terrible. And so <laughs> I know that I was terrible, and she just probably rolled her eyes at me. And then and then year later, however long it was, there was this particular audition, uh, and it was for a movie role, but it was I was a reader that day, so that meant that I got there early in the morning, and I stayed there throughout the entire day while each guy came in, and you know I read the female lead, and then they would read the male lead. So I was a little nervous because I don't know if you if I don't know how long you've been auditioning, but did you ever know um, Shancy Pierce, the casting no, director? No, but I I didn't. I, I didn't do a ton of auditioning, but I, I'm terrible at commercial auditions. Oh, I they're just, the worst. I hated them. I, 
I gave up because they were like, your, your face looks upset. Some guy said to me, um, <laughs> what did he say when I was auditioning? He said, he asked me if I had an anger problem or something. And it's like, I just yeah. wasn't good at it. I was so fucking bad. But anyway, um, you know, I went in there and I, I had imagined or visualized that I, you know, and I was worried because she was tough. And, and she had a reputation for being tough. And I thought, okay, I got to fucking do a good job. So um, I visualized that during the course of the day that she would come over to me and whisper in my ear and tell me how fantastic I was. And literally that happened three or four times. She would come over to me and she's like, oh my God, you're so talented. And she said something to me like, where have you been? And I'm like, well, we actually met <laughs> like a year ago. Whoa, that's weird <laughs> as shit. But, but, and then unfortunately, and I mean, I, I hate saying this because I don't, like making this part about myself but you know we did the audition and everything was great and then what wound up happening was the movie never got made and she got breast cancer and just left the business you know entirely so but I always remember that and I think you know everything down to the most little finite detail happened that I visualized and but I didn't understand to keep going I didn't understand to keep my my focus on the positive I just did that that one time and I did it a couple other times and I did have success the things that I visualized and I really felt I felt them to be real I, it's not you don't just see it you have to feel it and live it and all of that stuff and it yeah, really it, it really happened yeah bone marrow kind of yeah. exactly and it really happened and so but then I let it go because I just didn't understand it I didn't research it and I was impatient and so I just let it go but it's like now I can look back and say wow my entire life I've been searching for this and and I've realized that I have manifested everything it just wasn't all deliberate I didn't say I'm going to be a podcaster I'm going to you know I mean I kind of did manifest Bob but I also had the the belief in my head that I was never going to meet anybody. So it's like I wanted to meet someone like Bob, but I didn't believe that I ever would. And I think that kind of got in the way, but he showed up anyway. And then he showed up when I just fucking didn't give a shit anymore. And I wasn't looking for anyone. And I, I didn't give a shit if I ever met a guy in my life. I didn't care anymore. And um, I mean, yeah. I was open to it, but I didn't care. And, you know, and it was like, and then there he was. It took about two years. And that was good because that two years was important for me to not feel that I don't have a man I'm so lonely. right you, you know? need that much time with that I'm 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 kind of in that space it's been more <laughs> it's been a while but it's yeah. like I truly don't care I mean and not in like a defensive way no I know and it's so great to not care because it, it, it helps <laughs> you know it's yeah like and it's like you know <clears throat> it, for me it's like I have total faith that like it's fine if not but I'm just like if someone's like, is someone going to come into your life? I'm like, oh, yeah, probably. I don't think for a couple more years, but like, oh, yeah, they're coming. Yeah. And you know what? There's going to be times I'm going to look back on them not being here and be like, God, I miss those days. Like, <laughs> this guy's always around. You know? But like, I are, it's like this. It's a, from a place of happiness. Yeah. But it's, a, it's, it's hard. It can be hard sometimes because yeah. even if you don't, even if you're okay with it, like, you know how the world looks at you and. And it's like, you got to beat that down with a stick, right. you know, like not let anyone else's perception mm -hmm. get in the way, but oh, totally. Yeah. No, it, really, it helps. Maybe Bob just appeared out of thin air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is we had been friends on Facebook since 2012 and he was in, he was married. I mean, not at first, I think at first he was in a, he was his girlfriend, 
and he lived in Hawaii. And at that point, I was living with my mother, and there was like, what you know, and I thought he was really cute and everything, but it was, you know, my mom and I actually used to grunt over his. I would see him on Twitter or something, and he would tweet something out, and I and I then I would like I was friends with him on Facebook, so I'd go to his Facebook page and I'd look at pictures, and then I'd take it into my mom's office and I'd go, oh my god, look at this guy, and then we'd be like, oh, and it was so, oh, that's but so cute. I know it's so funny. But it's like, you know, but I thought, well, he's married. And I actually thought that he and eventually he wound up getting married. I think it was in like 2013. But I thought he and his wife were like this perfect couple that had this perfect life. And, um, you know, it turns out, no, that, you know, when I met him, he was already separated. But um, but it was funny because I, you know, I never messaged him in the entire time that we were friends. Not I mean, I had nothing specific to say to him. So and I, of course I wasn't going to flirt with him because he looked like he was very happily, you know, in love. And so but it was just funny because the thing that got I, I did eventually in 2015, I sent him an email or a, a DM on Facebook because there was well, I actually had another I had two reasons. Number one, I was going to just invite him into this room where it was like a a Facebook group with a whole bunch of influencers. And I wanted to see if he was interested in being in that group. But but I had seen this picture of Jesus come down my feed and it, it looked like Bob. And I thought <laughs> it was kind of funny and it was Sunday morning. And so I like, I sent him this message and I was like, wow, you look like Jesus here. <laughs> and, it, and it made, it made him laugh. And then, you know, we started our, our initial uh, relationship, I guess you could say was just, you know, like people, people who know social influencers who know each other. And, you know, that was the extent of it. And, you know, I can't believe you're not religious when Jesus clearly brought Bob to you. <laughs> Jesus, Bob. But and he just thought, he thought that was so funny. And so, you know, I mean, we just then we just had like a friendship for a while. And then eventually I, you know, I learned that he was um, single and or at least, you know, getting a separation and all that stuff. And that's how our relationship began. But but it was just it was kind of funny that, you know, here here this guy had been floating around in my sphere that's exactly around the time too when I said done I'm done because the last guy that I had gone out with he was 13 years older than me and he had anger problems and he was in he was in LA I was in Northern California and we were having this long distance thing and I was starting to feel like okay it's not going to work but I didn't know what to do and so one night he just start he screamed at me like no one had ever screamed at me we were on the phone and I was really fucking relieved. I was like, good. This way I don't have to break up with him and I don't have to hurt his feelings and it's over. And so when that was done, I was just like, I don't give a shit. I don't want to deal with anybody. I'm not against a relationship, but I just don't give a shit and I'm glad to not give a shit. And then, and then it was about two and a half years later. That's when I sent the Jesus email to Bob. It was so funny. I mean, it took a while for things to get going because, like I said, you know, we were just kind of friendly. And, you know, I have all kinds of people that I deal with every day that are like social media influencers and we all share information and stuff. So initially it was just that. But, you know, slowly things became into what they are now where I basically call him my boyfriend husband. So <laughs> my boyfriend husband. That's cute. I like that. Yeah, because I don't I mean, saying boyfriend sounds so juvenile and he's not my husband, even though he basically is. So that's what I've just settled yeah. on. I've just settled on. OK, so let me ask you a political question. I saw that you had tweeted that Biden and Harris coaxed hope out of you. So yeah. I want I you know in this terrible fucking week I don't know if you've been watching the Republican shit show um nope. well I have and <laughs> it is so bad but um 
you know, it, it's it, everything is so fucking awful. I mean, we had a great weekend, or we had a great week last week, feeling hopeful, great convention, all that stuff. And then, um, you know, Bannon was indicted or arrested and charged and all that. So that was good. But now we're in this week, and it's awful. And so I want to yeah. talk about hope, because I, I feel the same way you do. But I want to hear why you feel that way. Do you know, I honestly don't know. It's, um, I... I always wanted him to pick her. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to be the nominee, but then I wanted him to pick her. And I, I remember thinking, yeah, okay, so he's going to pick her and then I'm going to feel nothing. <laughs> and <laughs> I've died a long time ago. I died four <laughs> years ago on November yeah. 9th. Right. And um, yeah, I'll never feel anything again, but it'll be nice somewhere in my brain. You know, like someone on life support, like maybe they hear me like mm-hmm. somewhere inside. I'm there. Mm-hmm. And I was just shocked when the news was announced that I felt something in my body. Hmm. Like my heart fluttered. My yeah. soul felt good. I was smiling. And I don't like I can't even say. And then I watched them both on the DNC convention. I can't say that I have like a thought attached to what the hope is about. I don't know if I mean I'm hopeful that America can write itself. I don't mean, I don't know if I mean I'm hopeful they can win without all this election interference. I don't know what I'm hopeful about. Mm-hmm. I just felt what it felt like to be a decent person <laughs> and feel that there's other decent people and that our spirits aren't broken. That's mm-hmm. what it was, was like, yeah. okay, my spirit isn't broken because it can't be because I'm, you know, always have to be reminded I'm a white straight person. So mm-hmm. like if other people's spirits aren't broken, then shut the fuck up, you know? <laughs> and, but it was also just like, you know, I want to be like Kamala. She's yeah. such a, her whole thing, a joyful warrior, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, that's a good role model for me. I don't know. I just felt like, cool. I don't mm-hmm. know. I just, I felt hope. And yeah. it's it, it not even attached to any other thought than this bizarre feeling. But, you know, I felt, uh, I also thought I would always feel, I, I think I was happy because I don't feel angry at the nominees. You know, I, mm, I wanted mm-hmm. Hillary to have her yeah. do and her day. And I thought I'd be mad at whoever was next. <laughs> you know, and I wasn't, <laughs> which is good. Like, I'm holding no... Right. Not that it's whoever's the nominee's fault, but yeah, yeah. I so that's all I felt. Um, Interesting. But I don't know. I'm I'm like I take it minute by minute. Mm-hmm. I don't try to think about. Oh my God! I wonder what's going to happen on election day. I mean, I've got all my voting plan and all that, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's it's. I'm just glad it's those two. I think they're. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I, you know, it's funny because, and I also saw your tweet about, can we just stop saying he wasn't my first choice? But I'm gonna. I think that's so important. Yes. We're so bad at this. We're so bad. <laughs> we at are this. so bad at this. But I think, but I'm gonna go against what you said and say that even though he wasn't my first choice, and in fact he was probably, I, I didn't even predict. I predicted specifically that he was not going to be the nominee because I'm so good at politics. But. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I know. I thought it was. I didn't want it to be Bernie, but I was convinced. convinced. Yeah. Well, and it almost was. But, and, and mm-hmm. then I really tried to, f- 
to say, okay, well, if it is Bernie, then, okay, at least there's this and at least there's that. But still, it was like, you know, my, my first choice was always uh, Elizabeth Warren, although Kamala Harris was right there. She was like, sometimes she was my first choice, and then sometimes Warren, although overall Warren was always my favorite. And so, um, you know, when, when, when it was announced that it was her, I wasn't surprised and I was happy because, again, I, I, it was between those two women. And I still wanted Warren um, because, I, because of her resume specifically. But, but now when I look at this duo, I think that they have a unique charisma and I think mm -hmm. I think that um, unfortunately I hate saying this, but I don't think anybody else we would have had a good convention no matter who the person would have been. But there's something that Joe brings to this that no one else could, and part of that is that he is an older white man, and yep. you know right. And I've said this too, so I'm sorry for repeating to everybody who's listening. But there's this woman at my grocery store. She's a black woman. She's about my age. I talk to her every time I go to the store. I really love her and. Um, she has always maintained that it has to be a white man. And I was arguing with her. I'm like, but I like Elizabeth. And she's like, no, it has to be a white man. It has to be a white man. And yeah. she actually wanted two white men. She wanted uh, a vice president. But, um, and I argued with her the entire time. And then as we were, you know, in a friendly way. And as, but she never liked Kamala. So, um, mm. so, and she, you know, so it was funny because when I saw her last week, I'm like, okay, it's Kamala. She goes, you know what? I'm warming into it. And she goes, cause of course she was going to vote for them anyway. Um, but still it was just, but, but it was so fascinating to me because as I was talking to her throughout the primary, um, everything that she said, Jonathan Capehart, I don't know if you were following that he has an aunt um, and he was, you know, he's a black guy and he was a black journalist and he was talking about his aunt who was basically oh, yeah. saying, I, I was seeing his tweets about that about yeah. journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this woman at my grocery store was saying exactly the same thing. Cape Hart's aunt. And then Waj Wajahat Ali was saying, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people in the black community saying it's gotta be Joe Biden. And obviously the black community made sure that it was Joe Biden. And so, and I know that there's various reasons and all that. He, he, he was with Obama and he was a white man working with a black man and doing so in a way that, you know, black people can look at him and go, all right, we trust him. We, and, 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 and that's also yeah. adding to, you know, and of course he's made mistakes in the course of his career, but I do believe that he has made the effort to overcome that. Um, but you know, he's still Joe and he makes his stupid gaffes and he says stupid things and all that. But, but we all know that he's a good guy. And then, you know, like the yep. convention shows people things they didn't know about him. Oh, I didn't know that about him. I you know, and so it's like, it's a wonderful thing that he, you know, reached out to that 13 year old boy who had a stuttering problem. And, and that child now feels like he can go help other people because he was on the, you know, in the convention and part of it. And he got this shot of confidence, which is so awesome. But it's like, and Kamala, who is married to a white man, and she is, like, I mean, there is this, like, when she smiles, it's like light shoots out of her eyes. It's like there's just something I so know. magical about her smile and her her joyful energy. And, you know, and it was funny, because I asked, I asked her, the lady at my grocery store, I said, what is it about Kamala that, Kamala that you don't like? And she said, she's, she's a backstabber. And I said, well, why are you saying that? And she said, well, because she, you know, she attacked Joe. And I said, you know what? I don't really think about it as an attack. I think about it as a woman of color who stood up to a powerful white man and said, wait a minute. Can I please bring this to your attention? 
can you please think about this a little bit differently? And, and, and when I said that to her, she's like, hmm, you know, I know I made her think. I don't know if she changed her mind, but, um, right. you know, I don't feel like Kamala is a backstabber. And I, no, I, I know that moment, they were both fine the whole time. Mm-hmm. Like, as everyone else was freaking out, yes. you know, like, <laughs> it was politics. Like, they both yes. said, like, yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the horrible things that, Obama and Hillary said about each other. Yeah, I know. The primary. Oh my God. Yeah, he called her shock. Annie. Like, he called her Annie Oakley about guns, and then he made her the Secretary of State. So it's like you know. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, and I think, again, they were always fine. Like it, it just, it sucks that more people don't watch it with that kind of eye, where right. it's like, you know, it's it's nobody's a backstabber. Nobody's was put in there. It's like. Joe wasn't put in his place and then came crawling back. Listen, right. everyone has so much drama there, Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it is. It's politics. That's how pol- – and and the, the beauty is the Democratic Party and liberals are supposed to be able to call out what makes us all uncomfortable. We're supposed to be able to say – you know, and that's what I really liked about Warren is that she's so good at – Instead of pointing her finger at the Democratic Party and attacking them and saying, you failed this and you failed that, she doesn't do that. She just looks at the problems and assesses, like, she's like, okay, I'm going to assess this and come up with a solution. So instead of pointing fingers and being nasty and yelling, she recognizes there, of course we have problems in the Democratic Party. Of course we do, because we're all human beings and we're all imperfect and we all have flaws. So that's just the way it's going to go. So... I appreciate it when somebody can come along and say, look, I've got some solutions to these problems we have, as opposed to, fuck you all, uh, you're just as bad as the Republicans, (laughs) you know? Well, that's why I'm kind of glad it wasn't Bernie speaking of pointing fingers. Yes, (laughs) me too. (laughs) I don't don't want any yelling between now and November. I can't have any yelling. And I'm glad that the two nominees aren't yelling. Yeah. No, and I and I, I was like, I was relieved, too, because even though, like I said, you know, Joe, there was, I wanted Warren so badly, but, you know, I wasn't going to freak out when it wasn't Warren. It was just like, okay, well, it is what it is. And um, to steal a line from Trump. But, but, you know, as you said, they have a certain energy that's very positive and charismatic. And I think that I really think, and maybe what you were feeling is what Jill Biden said that, you know, he had considered running before and, you know, he didn't for this reason and that reason, but this is the time. This is his time and he's supposed to do it. And I I really think in terms of like, this is like almost karmic. He's he's supposed to do it. I think they are supposed to do this thing. And then, you know, we got to get ourselves over that voting line and then we got to take care of a lot of shit. Hopefully we're going to win. And, you know, we'll deal with all of that then. But I, but, I, but I feel hopeful almost on a level of even when I'm scared about what's happening with the mail and with interference and God only knows what yeah. they're going to do, um, I feel like maybe there is this karmic reason why he's in this position and she just really bolstered it and made it extra strong. And, you yeah. know, and maybe the hopefulness is coming out of like almost a, without realizing it, the premonition of what's to come. That, that's my hopeful thought. I'm not saying that it, that's what it is. It's just no, I think it's true. And I think, you know, when he announced his running and his ad, I thought, I think he has to be the nominee because he's the only one talking about getting the soul of America back and mm-hmm. the only one talking about neo-Nazis and racism. And yes, we're going to get healthcare done. We're going to get all that done. But mm-hmm. my God, for right now we are bleeding and dying and we're in the ER and we need an ER. Yes. We need people that recognize, speaking of all that stuff, 
in the beginning, like Russian interference, they understand all of that. Yeah. They will, first hundred days, like try to clean up some of the Trumpism and, and yeah. have actually restaff all of the offices yeah. and have actual people in positions, not just acting this. And, right. And, yeah. And uh, I know they'll know how to delegate and it's kind of not about them. I just never felt it was about them. And so mm -hmm. I, I just have this hopefulness that, um, they, again, I really do believe in that line, like the soul of America. I don't think it's bullshit. So yeah. there's something there where like, if they're the only, like to me, they're, yeah, they, they just got people, I don't know, reinvigorated. So mm -hmm. I, I think I'm, there seems to be a lot of karmic stuff happening, like Steve Bannon arrested and, <laughs> you yeah. know, we're down to the line now. Will the Supreme Court tell Trump he's got to turn into taxes? I don't know. Yeah. But it does seem like what's left of the checks and balances are working and we just need to hold out for 60 more days. I know, I know, you know? I know. Oh my and God. even the mail stuff, it's like they're reversing a lot of that. And I don't know. I, I'm not going to get optimistic yeah but i'm i'm like okay i see you <laughs> i'm just sitting back on my couch nodding going all right i'll let it i'll allow for some good things i'm not gonna yeah. say i'm not gonna be negative like a lot of my negativity has kind of fallen away yeah yeah well and i think the dnc thing the convention really i think that gave us all this huge shot in the arm of, of, of hope and recognizing that America does have some really good people and we can have better leadership. We, we have to fix a lot of the problems that Trump has exposed and a lot of the norms and the traditions that were only recognized before. I think some of them have to become law, um, you know, in order to keep things somewhat normal. But, but I think, yeah, I mean, I, I feel hopeful about it and I'm nervous. I have my days, you know I mean? I felt really, really, really freaked out a couple of weeks ago with the mail situation. I mean, in my plan too, I'm, I'm voting in person and, and in Maryland, you, I think early voting starts on October 26th. So I requested a ballot and I'm going to fill it all out and make sure everything's right and perfect and everything. And then I'm just going to take it in because actually on voting day, I'm going to be with my mom and she'll just be coming out of surgery. So, um, you know, I don't doubt that I'm going to be able to have that time to go vote anyway. So I just want to get it out of the way and make sure my vote, my vote isn't early because wouldn't it be fucking awesome if so many of us voted early and they had like enough to announce on the night, you know, we, we're that would all, be amazing. that would be, that would be so great. So, cause I'm not, even if, you know, with all these promises of everything being fine with the mail and everything, no, I don't trust, I don't trust these guys. I trust mail carriers, but I don't trust this guy. So I don't. No, no, you know, no. Yeah, we should keep one eye open. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, this is uh, we're we're on a, uh, an hour and forty five minutes here, and I need oh, to shit. let you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm go. just. I could blab with you all day, let's though. Get our life, it's, our life going. It's been it's <laughs> been really cool talking to you. Um. So, he, what about telling everybody? I mean, I don't know what you want to share, but where should people find you? Where do you want people to go? They can just go to I. I say find me on Instagram. It's at Jen Kirkman, one N and Jen, or just jenkirkman.com, and they can access my relaxation classes, or they can join my Patreon, or whatever they want. It's all on my website. Cool. And then we didn't place. we didn't talk about, and I wanted to, but maybe we could do it on another show where it seems like all those guys who support rapists um, and talk favorably about rapists get all the business, and and the women well, yeah, don't. This, this one guy <laughs> recently, Brian Callen, who was you know very credibly accused of rape in the Los Angeles times, um, you know, had to kind of stop doing this popular podcast he was doing because the podcast company, a giant corporation wouldn't have anything to do with him. So he started a Patreon 
And within 24 hours, got 7,000 subscribers at $5 a pop and is making 40,000 a month. Wow. And I often get a lot of comments and my mentions, oh, I support you. I love women comics. Yeah. I go, do you buy my Patreon? Right. Because that's, I'm here to make money. Let's just not bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not on Twitter to interact with fans because I feel like the agreement is I perform, you pay. I don't need right. to do more to prove that I'm worthy of your money. Yes. And men certainly don't have to do anything. Yeah. Uh, but rape people and then cry canceled and their fans come running yeah uh women's fans do not pay for their shit mm -hmm. and i'm tired of it so i will be ranting and raving over on twitter <laughs> about how people are always asking how can i support you how can i do this it's fucking five bucks a month it's like getting four comedy specials a month just fucking join it if you're not unemployed and if you are unemployed i don't i'm not talking to you you know <laughs> like <laughs> What's your Patreon? You. What is your Patreon? Patreon.com. Oh, Patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. Okay, well, there but, you go. Yeah, so it's just one of those things where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to hide this anymore. I'm not on Twitter to socialize. Like, right. It's a fucking business. Yes. You know? So um, I'm getting more emboldened and just stating, Good. like, I'm here for everyone's money. Um, <laughs> and, and so am comments I. <laughs> are, comments are nice, and people telling me that they're a feminist is nice. Yeah. And that they, they can't believe these guys get away with it. That's all nice. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if you pay women for their work, then they get to show the industry and go, look, 100,000 mm -hmm. people buy my shit. Mm -hmm. You know? But if you don't, then we stay in obscurity. And, you know, women get canceled just by being in their 40s or mm -hmm. just by whatever. Mm -hmm. So this whole notion that any man has ever been canceled in comedy is not true because they have fans that keep them afloat. Yes. And in ways that women do not see their fans step up for them, it is just a sad, sad truth. That and is it. That I am is not sad. just speaking for me. Mm -hmm. Every female comic feels this way, I guarantee you. Yeah, it's every we female talk. comic. It's, fem it's, fe <laughs> it's female authors. It's female everything. So, yeah. yeah. Um, it's something that, you know, we love to think that we're so evolved, but we're not. So, yeah, keep in mind that, you know, I don't know how many people here or listening to the show are, are paying for those uh, guys who like rapists and stuff, but hopefully they don't. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, I doubt it. Um, well, thank you. And I will, uh, when I'm back on Twitter, which will be in a couple of days, I will... Um, promote i'm just taking i think two more days off and then i'm going to come back on all right well do whatever you want i'm just happy that you were on the show thank you so much and i'm sure we'll talk again we'll talk again you're the best say hi to bob i will jesus bob right, i will bob. okay jesus bob who i wish was a cat <laughs> okay bye-bye Oh, she's great. Uh, that was a long show. So I hope you enjoyed it. And, you know, I had taken notes as far as different things that we were going to talk about politically, but it just went off into this conversation. It was just organic and I just went with the flow. So I, I hope you guys like it. I mean, obviously, we did get a little bit into politics, but there was a bunch of things that I did not talk about. So I guess we're just going to have to hold those over until next week. Don't forget tomorrow, Steph is going to be here and we're going to do a patrons only show, Steph Walton. And what else? What else? I guess that's it. So you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. And again, you can go to Amazon and look up all of my books, Peyton's Choice, The Virgin Diaries, American Woman, and Ain't No Sunshine. That would be awesome. If you, if you uh, are inclined to get one of my books and read them and you like them, I always ask for a review. So that's going to be it for today. We will see you tomorrow with Steph. Take care and be safe.